The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 504. Cool stuff found for Friday, May 30th, 2014. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. And today, we're sharing cool stuff found. In fact, let's start with one right here. Tom writes, the quickest way to get information into your phone via Siri is by saying, Siri, create a note that says, and then fill in whatever you want the note to say, and that's it. It just totally works. Awesome cool stuff found. Thank you, Tom. This episode is sponsored in part by Smile software with uh, or smile at smilesoftware.com with PDF pen for iPad. We'll talk about that a little bit more. This episode is sponsored by iFixit, the folks that bring you not only the repair manuals, but the tools that you will need to use them at iFixit.com here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton here in fearful Connecticut where somebody keeps ringing my doorbell and I don't know who it is. And if I find you, <laughs> this is, John F. Braun. How you doing today, John F. Braun? Well, like I told you, the, the, the my doorbell, doorbell rang. There was there was no goodies on my deck. Um, there was mail, but the the mailman typically doesn't um, ring the bell. So, uh, and if he does, a, uh, he rings twice. The postman. That's right. Not the mail. The postman. Yeah. But not the mailman. I call him the mailman. Okay. It's the same guy. It, it certainly could be. Yes. Is there a it's difference between mail and post? I think it's uh, regional. Right. Sometimes he's a she. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. This is that. going nowhere. But I always wonder when I, when the doorbell rings, I, I always wonder what, what it's all about. I mean, there's yeah, no pamphlets left. Yeah. Um, you know, no uh, promotional materials. I, I think I know what it was. It was something I mentioned earlier and people don't care about that. What they do care about, because we got to keep, we, we got to get rolling, Dave. And once we get rolling, we're not going to stop. All right, uh, Leon, we have, you know, so Cool Stuff Found is is one of my favorite episodes uh, to do uh, because it, it's because it's different. Right. And and it's fun stuff and we get to talk about things like that. So it, it's fun. It's more fun when you folks send in uh, well, all this stuff and which you have. And so we're, we're never going to make it through the list that we have. But it's the most fun when you folks send in stuff that you have created on your own as is the case with not just one, but two things today. I think at least two things today. So first is Leon. He says, I have what I unabashedly consider cool stuff, but it's also shameless self-promotion. Over the past six months, I've created and then enhanced a tool that lets you capture all kinds of online activities, such as Facebook posts, tweets, Reddit saves, Pinterest pins, blog entries, Instagram photos, and plenty more. It can even capture your Fitbit stats. It takes all of this and loads it into the day one journal program on your Mac. Day one also works and syncs with iOS. He said, the script is a bit of magic that I accomplished using Apple script, Hazel, and if this, then that I F T T T. Uh, he says, I think it's a testament to all the cool things that you can do on a Mac. Oh, and it's useful. Uh, and he has put it up at, uh, so that the name of the, uh, the, the thing, because it uses all of this stuff. And if this, then that is in the middle, it's called gift titty dot at, at, at dot gadget coma.com. So that's G I F T T T D Y dot gadget coma.com. But we will put that 
in the show notes because that's how we roll here. So uh, that's awesome. I love it. You created it yourself, and here we are. So that's that's cool stuff. Found number one. Cool stuff. Found number two from a listener is uh, from Chris. He says, I, like many people, use the spaces feature of OS 10 for keeping my desktops organized by task or to keep application windows from treading upon each other. One annoying thing about newer versions of OS 10 is the fact that if you already have multiple spaces open, changing the desktop background on one does not update the background on the others. Sure, it's not difficult to change each manually, but that seems like something that shouldn't have to be done. It's as if the Apple developers missed putting a simple checkbox in the dialogue when setting your background to apply all or not. Of course, I can also understand some users wanting different backgrounds for different spaces as perhaps an indicator to which space you're on. Since there isn't already an easy way to do this, I put together an automator app called Desktopper that uses some Apple script to programmatically advance through the open spaces and set all of the desktop backgrounds to uh, the, an image of the user's choosing. A caveat, this requires adding the app to the list of applications in system preferences, security and privacy accessibility because it simulates key presses to advance through the open spaces. Funnily enough, if you don't want to use this app, you can simply close all of the open spaces except the first one, change the desktop background, and any new spaces will use the same background image. That seems inconvenient if you already have your windows arranged across several spaces. Uh, and that's from Chris. So thank you, Chris. We will again put uh, a link to Desktopper, which uh, he has hosted at SourceForge. Uh, and that's pretty awesome. So thank you so much, Chris. That's uh, that's great stuff. I love it, John. Two two cool things found from listeners. And uh, and there you go. It doesn't get any better than that. Does it? It could. It's it could. to say. Well, <laughs> you know, John, let's... um. Let's uh, let's take a minute. I want to I want to thank the uh, the folks at Smile, SmileSoftware.com. PDF Pen for iPad is the uh, is the product that we get to feature this month. And it, you know, I say this every time when we talk about Smile um, because they make so many great things, and all of them are things that I use all the time. So it makes it really easy. But um, PDF Pen for iPad it. So we have lots of great sponsors here, right? Uh, what's great is when we have two great sponsors that taste great together. And that's the case with PDF Pen for iPad because PDF Pen for iPad now has transporter integration, which lets you access your PDFs on your own private secure cloud if you're a transporter customer. So they've been doing this with Dropbox for a long time, which is great, and iCloud, which is great, but those are pub public clouds is the wrong term, but they are publicly hosted clouds, right? They're not hosted at your house. Transporter is your own private cloud, and now PDF Pen for I iPad has direct integration with Transporter, which is awesome. Uh, and you know, all the same functionality, right? You can sign a contract, you can fix typos, you can correct a price list, anything you need to do. I mean, you can literally edit the contents of a PDF right on your iPad inside PDF pen for iPad. If that's not cool, I don't know what is. Um, but as I said, you know, I've used it, uh, all the time to sign contracts and I always make sure it's on my iPad and on my iPhone. And I've done both uh, in both places. Of course, you can use iCloud or Dropbox, as I mentioned. Also, uh, it syncs with it uh, links up with Ever Evernote, Google Drive, Box. So all kinds of great stuff. And uh, so there it is. That's it, it. It just doesn't get any better than that. And that's uh, that's the thing we love about our our 
sponsors, especially uh, the folks there at Smile, they're constantly innovating, constantly adding new stuff. And uh, you can go get that on the App Store, obviously, because uh, because that's how you get apps for your iPad. And you can get PDF Pen for your iPhone there and PDF Pen for Mac. Uh, you can get either on the App Store or direct from uh, from SmileSoftware.com. Go check it out at SmileSoftware.com. You can get a free trial from them right there. So, again, thank them uh, when you do because uh, they really do help us here. So, SmileSoftware.com now with Transporter support all right john what do you got let's see i want to talk i want to toss in one thing here dave because we mentioned transporter i I just want to gloss over this quickly because it's something i just did dave so the transporter um you know we both have one and they have this special folders feature Mm -hmm. i was kind of hesitant to enable it on multiple machines but i finally did it because i wasn't sure what was going to happen i thought it would somehow mush everything together fortunately it does not so that makes me kind of happy to, to have an additional level of, uh, of backup because I have separate document folders on two different machines and, and it, it did it as I would expect. Cool. I, I don't know how, how much you've uh, worked with that feature. No, I, like you, I've been a little bit hesitant to, you know, I, I don't have a need to, to sync all that stuff. So it's been a little bit like, well, maybe, you know, not so much. Yeah, so basically within the documents folder, once you enable it on multiple machines, it basically creates a subfolder with the name of the machine in question and isolates it that way. So, because uh. I wasn't quite sure. Again, I thought it was going to mush all my documents folders from all machines together and it just would have been chaos, but it's not. No, it handles it very, uh, very well. Okay. Uh, so I'm glad because I, I have parts of those folders backed up with other services like BitCasa, I told you. I'm yep. using that. So, um, yep. But, uh, you know, as we... I actually recently had one of the people that I, I tweet with often say, oh my gosh, I just lost some e- important email and I don't have a backup. And I'm, I, I think I'm going to shake my fist at her. Okay. Uh, okay. Bonnie. I'm like, you listen to us and you don't have a backup. Yeah. yeah. Shame on you. Shame on you. That's All right, true. Go. All right. Uh, so I found, uh, well, via a blog post uh, from uh, Dr. Drang, I found, uh, a very cool terminal utility called SIPS, S-I-P-S. And what it is, is it is a batch image processing utility. He, uh, he wrote this and said he had a few hundred, a folder full of a few hundred photographs that he wanted to share with a client. Sending him a Dropbox link was the obvious solution, but uploading that many photos, you know, would take too long. And the client didn't want all the full res stuff, just wanted smaller versions. So, uh, with SIPs from the terminal, he was able to do this. He just navigated to the folder, typed SIPs, S-I-P-S, space, dash Z, space 1024, because he wanted uh, 100, uh, sorry, 1024 pixels in either in the longest direction. So either width or height, whatever the, uh, the maximum is. And then uh, you put in the file name, or if you want all the files in a folder, you just put star and that's it. So literally, you know, 20 characters or less, typed into the terminal and SIPS went and created uh, copies of all these things. So uh, I will put that link to that blog post in there because that's cool. We love, uh, we love things like that. What do you got, John? That is neat. Okay. So it's very focused because I've used something called image magic, but, but that's like the kitchen sink of image processing utilities from the command line. Yeah. Resizing, but it'll do everything else right but i don't think image magic is um 
a part of an OS 10 default install, whereas SIPS is. You know? I'm, yeah. Well, I'll, yeah. Let you, I'll let you check that out. I did. You're yeah. handing the baton yeah. to, uh, yeah, you can get it with a package manager. Mm-hmm. Package manager. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to tell you about something, Dave. That I found this out when I was exploring uh, when we were having our whole thing about monitoring wireless traffic. Yeah. I was like, boy, you know, that'd be re- maybe it's Wireshark that's the problem here. Okay. I'm like, geez, let me see if there are We have other- since found out that it's not Wireshark that was the problem. But as we talked about in the last show, just, just in case people are, are you know, um, right. confused. Yeah. So, so, so the issue was uh, I had, I was almost certain that I had seen tra- wireless traffic from other devices using Wireshark on my Mac. And I'm sure you were sure that you had when you were using and a I different had, router. And I verified That's right. it. Yep. Um, and I verified on a, on a different one yep. at our library. That's right. So, but I, I wanted to see if there were other programs that could do packet monitoring. Now, Wireshark is swell. There's one little issue that I'll have with Wireshark is that Wireshark is a X11 based application and that you need an X11 layer which at this point right now does not come packaged with uh, most versions of Mac OS X. Okay. It's an optional install. It'll come up. So if you run Wireshark, it'll be like, ah, oh, you know, I need an X11 layer. Um, there's this thing called XQuartz. You want to download that and, and run it? And it's like, yeah, sure. So it's kind of hokey. But um, I found something that's native, Dave. And I think it's based on a lot of the same uh, technology, but it's something called Packet Peeper at packetpeeper.org. And from what I can tell, Dave, it has, um, it looks to me to be as, not more, but I, but I think at least as capable as Wireshark for being a packet sniffer in that it can capture packets, it can reassemble them, you can write filters, uh, there are plugins for it, it can uh, output the uh, you know packet captures in the PCAP TCP dump format, which Wireshark does as well. So it just wore my heart because uh, I think the only the, the only thing I had to do extra is that when I wanted to, the, to see the source and destination IP addresses, I actually had to enable that. That was not part of at least my default installation because that was, I was what I was looking for. I was looking for, all right, what's the source and destination IP? Are they anything except me? Um, whereas that's the default uh, when I use Wireshark. So, uh, you know, it's a native Mac app. It's free. You can even get the source. Um, check it out. Sweet. It's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I had never heard about it before. So, uh, yeah. Sweet. Give the- All right. Uh, we will put that link in the show notes. Cool. More stuff. Heath writes, I've recently started making use of the spaces feature on my computer. Yet another one. I was going to write in a question about how to automatically time how long I spend in different spaces. But I imagine Dave saying there's probably a way to trigger an Apple script to do this when you change spaces or something. After spending some time on Google, I figured out there's a way to do this. So I'm writing in a solution instead of a problem. I found a fantastic men- menu bar task timer called TikTok with Apple script support and an app called event scripts, which can trigger an Apple script in response to a, fa- a spaces change. All I had to do was write a three line Apple script and I was off to the races. Thought I'd share in case anyone else is interested in doing this and also wasn't sure if you guys had mentioned TikTok or event scripts and his Apple script is just tell application TikTok toggle task being unproductive, which is something that he would then, you know, cause his timer to go. And that's, that's it. Uh, so we will put links for TikTok 
and uh, and event scripts in the show notes. And thank you so much, Heath. That's uh, I'm I'm happy that I was able to help by uh, by by being that voice in your ear. And uh, and and so there you go. <laughs> what do you got, John? And if I'm reading the agenda correctly, Dave, you're handing this to me. Yes, sir. Outstanding. So you and I love utilities like uh, iStat menus that tell us what's going on with the system. And we got a note here from Eddie saying, hey, <laughs> there's something else out there that I thought I'd tell you guys out about that I would tell you about. And it's called HW monitors. And basically, I don't think it does everything that some of the other packages does, but it basically is a package that will uh, a software bundle that includes drivers, applications that allow you to access information from hardware sensors um, on the Mac. Cool. It's interesting. He calls it HW monitors, but the link, as I was going to put it in the show notes, is HW sensors. Sensors. Oh, no, you're right. Okay. But but yes. you're right. He calls it HW monitors. So I, uh, I'm i not sure if we're missing something, but I don't think. We, well, no, I don't think we are. I think that's it. So. Yeah. So it looks very similar. And actually, yeah. So, so it's. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a similar package, but. Uh, yeah. Check it. Yeah. And it's free. Right. Which is cool. So yeah, uh, we're not, we're not going to update everybody's wallet here. <laughs> no, no, that, not all, not all at once. That's right. That's right. In fact, I think most of the things that we have mentioned as cool stuff found so far are, uh, are free, right? We haven't mentioned a single thing that is not. So put that in your hopper and smoke it uh, for free. <laughs> hopper. I don't know. That's a, that's a phrase. I don't think I have a hopper. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't keep one. Uh, I, I lease with an option to buy. Okay. Uh, Greg writes, he said, I just got a service called Threema, T-H-R-E-E-M-A, a secure messaging app for the iPhone. It uses end-to-end encryption so that only the recipient that I've chosen and not even the servers in between can read my messages. It can send text, pictures, videos, and even lets me share my location in a very secure way. It also syncs with your address book, if you let it, to find other Threema users automatically. And of course, the messages are free. And it's at threema.ch, so we will put a link to that in uh, the show notes. And he says, get it, so that we can secure our messages uh, from the government. And, uh, and so that's cool. So we will put that in the show notes, because that's how we roll. But it's worth pointing out that if you are running uh, iOS 7... Uh, I believe it's iOS seven. Yeah, it has to be. Um, and or Mavericks uh, on your Mac. You can do a similar thing. iMessage is secure end to end. And we, we mentioned this in a previous show, but it's worth it's worth mentioning it again. Uh, the way it works is each of your devices, your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad generates a public and private key pair and it keeps the private key on the device sends the public key up to Apple servers. So John, when you go to send me an iMessage, you actually download all of my pu uh, public keys from Apple servers, the one, one for each of my computers or devices. You then encrypt the message using my public key. Uh, it gets sent through Apple servers. And then when I retrieve it, my devices each individually use that public key to decrypt it. I mean, it, it actually uses a symmetric key that you generate and then throw away and all of that normal stuff that happens with public key encryption. But, but that's, that's how it, uh, that's how it works. So iMessage does that too. 
I would encourage all of you to go to Google and Facebook and uh, and even Twitter with direct messages and ask them how they're doing uh, encryption, end-to-end encryption of all their messages. Because my guess is the answer will be will sound something like this. There it was. Did you hear that, John? Nothing. I heard a deafening silence. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John. Now let's now that we've now that we're there now let's spend some money. What do you, what do you got for us? So my pals at Square Jellyfish. This this was very timely because we were talking about remote shutters a while ago. We were, and I got a note from them saying, "Hey, we got something new, John. You want to check them out?" And so I, I got a couple of goodies in the mail, um, and I think they rang the doorbell um, before <laughs> they delivered delivered them. Um, Jelly, which makes all sorts of cool little products here, uh, recently released. Uh, the one that I received here and tried out and uh, and I really like is called the Jelly um, Remote on their webpage. And I think it's also called the Jelly 4 button remote. Y- do you mean Square Jellyfish? Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Okay. Squarejellyfish.com for anybody looking. So. I'm sorry. I thought that's what I said. You said was- Jelly. You just called the company Jelly. Uh, oh, yeah. Square. All right. Maybe I dropped out. So Squarejellyfish.com yep. makes all sorts of great stuff. And the Jelly Remote that I have has four buttons on it. Now, the one that's most relevant, I think, is the one where when we were talking about remote shutter, it has a button where once you pair it with your uh, iDevice, or actually it doesn't even have to be an iDevice, I think. Um, Well, depending on what you want to do. I I tested it with my iPhone and uh, iPad, but one of the buttons is when you're in the camera app and you've paired it and you press the take a photo button. Well, guess what? It takes a photo and it's very small, very handheld. Um, Put it on keychain or something like that. But then it also has three other buttons. Um, It has one that will, uh, or I guess the other three are meant to control uh, music applications in that it will uh, do, go to the next song, go to the previous song, um, decrease volume, increase volume, play or pause. That's pretty cool. Um, so they sent me that and, and I think it's really neat. The, uh, the retail on it is I think uh, 40 bucks, but you can get it typically for less depending on where you shop. And there's a lot of links uh, on their site. There's a second product that they have, which I, I think is a different market here. It's, it's the same pricing, but it only does a couple of things. Uh, it has two buttons, one for taking photos and one for turning the flashlight on and off. <laughs> Okay, um, so they came out with two models there. Cool. Uh, different costs. And then the third thing that they sent me, which I thought I'd mention this because I think it's also neat as well. They're like, well, you know, if we're going to send you this to experiment with your uh, camera, uh, with your iDevice, why don't we give you a cool tripod? So uh, they gave us a whole bunch in the goodie bag back at Macworld. Right. But this is a different one. Mm. So this is the one that they call their spring tripod mount and it has three parts in it so one is a spring loaded grabber if you will that can grab not only an iphone but also ridiculously huge devices like some of the galaxy phones (laughs) so that's kind of neat so it's very flexible then they have the mount part and then a part that goes in between so it's a very flexible yeah, so if you don't have somebody to hold the camera for you, um, this is a very good mount, and it works with multiple devices, and it will uh, you know sit on different surfaces. Uh, 
And we'll cool. look to that one as well. So those were, uh, so I've received two of them. The third one is, you know, the remote that I don't have, but this is a good solution for people. You know, like I mentioned in a prior episode, yeah. you may not want to lug around, even though the keyboard that I was using, uh, you know, is not a huge keyboard. Um, you know, uh, a Bluetooth keyboard to just take pictures is probably not the best solution <laughs> where, where this is, this is what it's meant to do. Very cool. All right. Well, we have another one. Listener, John. So, John, you found a couple of these things, a few of these things, I should say. And listener, John, writes in and says, uh, I heard you speak of using a Bluetooth keyboard to take photos when not holding the iPhone. I use AirTurns Digit 2. I have it paired with my iPhone 5S, my iPad Air, and my Retina MacBook Pro, and my work Dell Win 7 PC. I use it to trip the shutter on the iPhone, advance slides when giving presentations on one of the work laptops or on one of either of the laptops or acting as a remote for the iPad. While on a recent vacation, I put the iPhone on a square jellyfish micro tripod, as you just mentioned, John, and was able to extend my arm for group selfies. I held the digit two in my other hand, which was typically around someone else's back to snap the picture. Much easier than trying to top the shutter button on the iPhone or hauling around a Bluetooth keyboard for photography. So we will definitely put a link to this in the show notes as well. It's a it's yet another four button. Actually, it's a, I guess it's a five button remote. Um, but uh, but there you go. So I, I love it. All this great stuff. I you know I had seen the uh, the Digit Two from AirTurn at um, at. Uh, uh, What's that, tr- that little trade show we went to <laughs> Macworld, uh, Macworld, iWorld, I guess is the appropriate name. And it, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. What's that? What did I say? You said a little show. Yeah, I was, I was, I was being, uh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think here it is. The digit two. Well, you are going to a little show shortly, right? That WWDC one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fly out on Sunday for that. Um, I, I guess technically that is a smaller show, much smaller than, than uh, Macworld. There's only, well, 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 I think the attendance would be on the order of thousands where I would, I would estimate Macworld is on the order of tens of thousands. That, that's right. Yeah. WWDC, they cap it right around 5,000 people, but it, it's, it's a, it, it's not a trade show. It's a conference, right? So 5,000 people for a conference is huge, massive. Macworld is, you know, I, I don't know how many people are attend the conference sessions versus the rest, but my guess is it's a lot less than 5,000 people. Um, you know, the, the, the people come and attend the, the trade show walk around there. But as far as the conference sessions, it's nowhere near. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near 5,000. So, yeah. And uh, I believe we're going to cover the, the that's Monday, right? That's Monday. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure most major outlets will be uh, covering the keynote. Yeah, it'll be interesting streaming it, right? They are. Yeah. So if you if you are if you are such in such a a position where you can sit and watch it live, you can do that. So. All right. Um, Now, let's move on here. You know, I'm going to take another pause here because I I saw the pop happen on you, John, and we're going to try and fix this. All right. So I we might have John's popping uh, sorted out. We'll see if it. uh, if it happens again. Um, but we found an interesting thing. I, I, I changed the way John's audio is routed and wanted to make sure we were in sync with each other. Uh, 
because there's there is some natural delay that's introduced by Skype and then some more natural delay introduced by the way I have John's audio routed. Any any digital audio routing is, of course, going to, um, you know, cause cause some delay. So I wanted to make sure I didn't introduce any significant delay that that we couldn't deal with. And so I had John, I had you read um, had you count along with your clock and uh, and on the Mac mini. Right. And. I realized you were five seconds out of sync and there was no way we were five seconds out of sync. I, we would have known, right. We would have noticed it in the, you know, 10 seconds we were conversing. So you realize that you have some, uh, something going on over there. Well, your- let me double check here. Well, no. And then, well, when uh, I don't want to, hold, I'm just going to spit it out. Then I looked at my MacBook pro. So for whatever reason, my mini is off by five seconds. Now I think it may not have done a NTP adjust. And what is that all about? Everybody's going to ask, well, you can have your Mac synchronized to a time server. Now it doesn't always do this. And the thing is sometimes NTP, which is network time protocol or whatever program does this will make intelligent adjustments. If it notices that the, the clock of the device that it's on is continuously lagging or all that, it should nudge it in the right direction, right? Five, Seconds isn't the end of the world for a lot of things for audio. Yes, it is <laughs> Well, for this type of audio. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But I'm curious why it's a, because it's still three. No, but my two machines are still six seconds off. Did you turn off NTP on your Mac mini and turn it back on? Not, you know, well, I'm going to see if it's even engaged. I mean, I assume it is. So, yeah, so where syst- would you engage that you asked system preferences, date be- and time. I got to find is that, there we go. Date and time. Yep. Set date and time automatically. Apple Americas slash us time dot apple.com. Yep. Now the thing is last I checked my MacBook pro, I am not syncing to Apple server. I am syncing to a military server. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, but you're it's either ticker. They're not going to be so. five seconds off from each other, John. It doesn't matter. So okay, well, um, well, well, how do you know? Mm-hmm. because you and I were in sync and I'm syncing to time.apple.com and you're syncing to uh, the machine that, that, that actually was right was the one that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm just making an observation. My MacBook pro is synced to tick.usno.navy.mil. My, my guess mini, is if you is wrong is not, if so you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute you for a second because I, I the, the, the ticking's still happening. But while I've got you muted here, John, just uncheck the um, the uh, what you call it. Uh, I, I call it the the checkbox. There, you are back on, by the way, and recheck the checkbox in your date and time, and see if the clock jumps back by five seconds. My guess is it will. Are you there, John? Or did I did I mute yeah. you forever? Okay, good. Uh, yeah they're back in sync hmm haha yeah so that that i have seen that before where ntp will stop updating yeah all right no hey that's a good tip so so whatever reason it either didn't self-adjust or it just hadn't talked to it for a while that's right great yep all right uh i want to talk about our second sponsor john which is ifixit and uh of course they are at ifixit.com the folks that I fix it, I said it in the beginning of the show. I'll say it again. They, um, they make great freely available, uh, manuals 
for now you're popping on your mic or something. I hear you doing that, right? You, you, you making noise over there, John? You're doing something. Um, that was a uh, large vehicle on the street. Oh, interesting. So the noise gate's a little, uh, maybe, maybe that's all it is anyway. All right. So uh, I fix it makes all these teardown manuals, right. To, uh, to show you how to take things apart because it's crazy, uh, thinking about taking apart a laptop, right? It's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of crazy things that you've got to know how to do, which screws to, to unscrew, which screws not to unscrew, you know, what to do with this piece, what to expect when you pull up, you know, the, the lid of the laptop, you know, be careful because there's a connector under there that you wouldn't know if it was your first time or even your second time. And you might not realize, or you might forget if you're not doing this all the time, these guys have made it so that taking apart a Mac or, uh, you know, any, anything that's not a tower, that's just not painfully obvious how to get into. They've made it so that it's doable. They don't necessarily make it any easier uh, but they do make it as easy as that machine possibly could be because they figure out all the different ways in and then find the best way and show it to you. So that's what they do. Then the way they make their money, and this is great because they also do a great job at this too, is they have all kinds of accessories, tools, all sorts of things that you can, uh, that you'll need to get inside your Mac. And you know, yeah, you might have a Phillips screwdriver at home and a, and a flathead screwdriver, but if you don't have exactly the right Phillips screwdriver for these tiny little screws and they are all different sizes, you're going to wind up stripping those screw heads. It's just how it works. So, uh, getting the right size screw and having instructions that tell you exactly which screwdriver to use on which screw is invaluable. In addition to that, you know, all those crazy torque screws, you really can't use the wrong size there because of the way the torque shape is. And then if you're doing an iPhone and you need to do the pentalobe screws, you need a special screwdriver for that. And they make toolkits that have all of this stuff in them over there at iFixit. They've got a killer ProTech toolkit. It's uh, it's 65 bucks and it's got 70 tools in it to assist you with any mod malfunction or misfortune that comes your way. Um it includes their 54-bit driver kit, which is what I was mentioning before. It's got a great uh, driver handle, a screwdriver handle, uh, and then you put in whatever head you want to put in, and it could be, you know, a, a Phillips 1, a Phillips 0, a Phillips 3, uh, maybe a, a flathead or a Torx or a Pentalobe, whatever you need to do. And the Torx are all secure Torx, so they've got the right security bits. They've got the tri-wing bit for video game consoles. And, uh, and it's even got the triangle bit for McDonald's toys because why not, right? You want to have everything you have, everything comes with a spudger, which is the thing that you, you know, sometimes you're inside a computer and there's a, a little connector on the motherboard, uh, that you need to kind of pick off. And the, the first thing that you think of is, Oh, I'll just grab a flathead screwdriver and get it in there and twist it. Well, you can do that. But of course the edge of the flathead screwdriver that's against the motherboard is going to scratch things off and probably, you know, ruin some solder connection. And then that's the end of it. The spudger is a piece of plastic built to do exactly that without ruining the motherboard. And you can just get it in there and twist it a little bit and pop it without ruining anything. So check this thing out. It's really, really cool. And here's the deal. If you use coupon code MGG, you get 10 bucks off your order if you spend 50 bucks or more. So if you're going to get this toolkit, boom, you're saving 10 bucks right out of the gate. And uh, so visit ifixit.com slash MGG and then use MGG as the coupon code and you'll be in uh, in good shape. So that's that. Was, <laughs> what, what, John? I, I, w I was almost scared when I got this kit, Dave. You and I both got this kit. 
I think it also has a wrist strap. But the other thing is looking at some of the tools in there, I almost felt like I could be like do surgery with it. I mean, it, it, it it's the most comprehensive kit that I've seen. It is. It definitely I'm, I'm is. Pleased. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So check them out. Ifixit.com slash MGG. And, uh, and of course, coupon code MGG saves you uh, 10 bucks. And that coupon code is good for, I think, another month or so. But uh, but just order quickly so that you don't, you know, you don't miss out because we don't want you to miss out. All right. More cool stuff. John, you know that I am a big fan of putting a glass shield on your iPhone. Why uh, would you do that? There's already a glass shield. Yeah, I know. But I here's the deal. If if I break the one that's on there, it's like a hundred and fifty dollar repair minimum to get that Ooh. digitizer replaced. Right. If I if I put another one on it, I don't notice it because they're real thin and they feel great and all that good stuff. Um, I hate the plastic shields. I mean, they're great because they keep your your screen protected, but, you know, they don't look good. They don't feel good. They, they make your 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 your, the, you know, the stuff on the screen not look that great. But the glass protectors are awesome. I've had the opportunity to check out two new ones. Monoprice, believe it or not, 15 bucks. They sell a glass protector for John and uh and it works great. I don't have the monoprice one on my phone. I put it on my daughter's phone because she's the one that breaks these things all the time. Uh, <laughs> not only is the monoprice one, uh, does it work well, but it hasn't broken yet. And it's actually probably the one she's had on there the longest. So uh, that's, um, you know, to, to me, that's, that's, and it's, yeah, 1486, I think is, uh, is the price. We'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes and you can, you can actually get them cheaper than that if you wind up buying more. But um, and so I've checked out the one from from Monoprice that works great, and also the uh, Bodyguard Screen Guards Pure. I think they put one of those in our um, in our speaker bag this year. Oh, yes. And I I tried. I've got that on on uh, on one of the phones here at the house, and I don't break the the glass that's on mine. So I still have the red one that I've had on for you know since I got my phone. But uh, but everybody else in the house seems to break them. So, uh, really? yeah, yeah. I'll have to look in the in the bag. Yeah, because I'm not a klutz like your daughter. Or, you know, the rest of the family there. That's I, right. I, I I have never believe it. Knock on. You know, it's going to happen now. Of course. <laughs> I, I think I I think I've dropped onto a hard service my iPhone once. Okay. Um, but I've never broken uh, a screen. Again, not that right. wood. It's going to happen. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like my phone is right in front of me. I think it's going to spontaneously, the, the screen is just going to implode or something. So, well, I, I, I put them on. I, they feel good. Uh, I know it's protected against, you know, whatever I've got in my pocket or wherever I put my phone. I just don't have to worry about my phone with these things on. And mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. bodyguards ones, uh, I think the one they gave us was for the phone, but the, they called the, uh, the product line is called screen guards, pure, and it's, you know, tempered glass that uh, that you put on. But they've got them not just for the iPhone, but for uh, other products as well, including all your Galaxy phones, but also your iPad Air, your iPad Mini, your iPad. In fact, every iPad they've got them for, uh, with, with the exception of the original one. Doesn't seem like they have uh, one sized exactly for that. But I got to tell you, these things, there's and the, and the bodyguards ones are good, too. I've had some problems. The Radio Shack ones specifically uh, were crap. They... Um, I mean, they worked in that they protected the phone, but they always left a big bubble in the middle of the screen. I, there's, and if you get a bubble with this thing um, that always forms, that there's just it's just the way it is. Uh, 
because there's no glue in the middle. It's like glued around the edges and that's how they're supposed to be. But if the glass isn't made properly, you'll get that, that glue there. So, or that bubble there, but these don't show bubbles and they're super easy to put on way easier than the plastic ones. I mean, you just clean the screen cause you don't want dust or anything in there. Then you peel off the, the backing and, and you slap it on there and then you're done. It's literally, it takes that long. It takes you way longer to clean the screen of your phone before putting it on than it does to put the thing on. So, uh, so there you go. Lots of those things. I know it, we, we told you we'd make you spend some money and, and, but this is good money to spend. So, uh, that's, that's why we talk about it. I don't know. What else? What do you got, John? Me? Yeah. Oh. So I was going through all the goodies that I have scattered about my house. Sure. And I found one, Dave, and I thought, wait, you know what? Now that I have an iPhone with a, a Bluetooth low power, which I could not do uh, on my iPhone 4, I'm like, let me break this out and check it out and see what it's like. And it's called, so the, the name of the company is Phone-Halo, or you can find them at Phone-Halo.com. And the specific product that they gave me, I think it was at the Engadget event, is called the Wallet Tracker. Wallet as in wallet and tracker, T-R-A-C-K-R. What is this? Well, it's a Bluetooth device. And the intent is it's to help you. Uh, you can use it for other things, but I think the original intent was, well, this will help you <laughs> figure out if uh, you've either lost your wallet or somebody is running away with your wallet. Fascinating. How can you do that? Now, how can you do that? You think, you know, I mean, a Bluetooth device, I mean, you, the, you know, it's got to be a piece of hardware. It's got to have an antenna. It's got to have power and stuff like that. It's got to be, you know, huge. Well, no, it's not. You look at this thing, Dave. It's four centimeters by six centimeters. So rectangular, but it's 0.4 centimeters thick. Oh, it's it's designed to be put into a wallet. <laughs> huh? So you get this device, which is a Bluetooth device um and then you get their application and the, and the key i guess is their application so when you run the application it will within the range of bluetooth which you know can vary to tens you know in this case i would say tens of feet oh is that all can, they're not using the the bluetooth that'll go 300 feet or whatever for this oh uh, their their claim on their site i think is that because of the you know the small size of this i think their claim is you're, you're talking tens of feet but, okay. but for its purpose i think it's cool yeah or, or i think it's acceptable um yeah bluetooth can in theory i think go up to and actually i've tested this bluetooth in theory or bluetooth uh low energy bluetooth yeah. le can go i think a couple hundred feet, right? Maybe 300 maximum. Yeah. Right. But, but for the purpose of this, and then you run the application. So the application does a couple of things. So one, the application has a separation alert. So if your phone and this device get too far away from each other, you're going to know about it. Oh. <laughs> and your phone's going to tell you about it. So this is a brilliant concept behind the wallet thing. So if it ever sees the device, which you, one would hope you keep in your wallet, it's going to say, dude, somebody's running. Either you're you're wandering away from your wallet, which is probably bad, <laughs> or somebody took your wallet, and that's bad too. And then, uh, but then it also with their application, of course, tied to the GPS on your iDevice, it will show you uh, the the other feature it has is it'll show you the last location that it's seen the device. 
So actually what I've done as of late, just for fun, is put it in my car. And ah. it'll show me the last location that it's seen my car. So this could also be a great solution for as long as you run the app. So it, so it doesn't, as far as I can see, run it in the background. But if you leave their app running and I haven't run the battery down. So you would think, oh, you know, it's going to drain my battery. Well, number one, it's low energy Bluetooth. And number two, uh, the device ha- takes your standard batteries. And I haven't seen the batteries go down from 100 percent at all. It shows the battery status. And you can also uh, send an alarm. So if, if you want to tell the device, okay, blink a light and make a sound, it'll do that as well. Dude, I think it's just a totally cool combination of features using Bluetooth. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like that they made it so thin. That's um, that's good. Yeah, they have a couple of other versions. Yeah, this one, again, is for wallets. They have uh, two others, but the, the pricing is also, you know, so uh, a single device is 30 bucks. Uh, two of them is 40 bucks. Four of them is 80 bucks. Um, and the batteries will last the standard, you know, CR 2016 batteries, uh, last for a couple of years. So, um, very cool application of Bluetooth and, uh, iDevice. And I think it also works with, uh, other, <laughs> other platforms as well. That's cool stuff found. I like it. I, I like, uh, I like cool stuff. That's refound too, and, and and with what you're talking about, you're actually using cool stuff found to find stuff that's important because that's your wallet. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Brian writes in, and uh, you know we talked about this utility called Yasu, yet another system utility that uh, was one of the first GUI utilities that you could use to fix your home directory's user permissions. Um, you know Apple's disk utility. When you run that to fix permissions, it fixes system permissions, but it does not touch your user folder or anything in there. Uh, you used to be able to do it and you still can if you boot in single user mode or in recovery mode and you can muck around that way. But uh, Yasu was one of the first utilities that did that. It also does a lot of other things. It'll run your maintenance scripts. It's a really simple one screen, one window interface. You check all the things you want it to do. You say go and uh, and then it does it. So it's super simple. But we were sad when Mavericks came out and uh, he wasn't able to spend the time to get it working. Jim Mitchell is the the programmer on that one. Well, good news. Jim was able to get Yasu working under Mavericks and I've run it and it's awesome. So uh, so we will put that uh, in the show notes because we love Yasu. I think it's Yasu app. No, it's Yasu app dot net. Because YasuApp.com is coming soon. It says in 287 days, something's happening at YasuApp.com. Well, I'll tell you what. In the meantime, check out YasuApp.net to get something that actually works for you today. And uh, I think that'll help. That'll, that'll work. I, I love it. I, actually, for, for that type of maintenance, I like Yasu way better than, um, uh, well, what's the other one? Uh, Onyx. Just because the the interface onyx does cool stuff and it does some things that yasu can't do so it, it has its place but man you know you launch it and it's like trying to run a disk scan which you can turn off but you know then it's immediately asking you for your password as opposed to waiting until you run a script that needs it uh, yasu you just launch it it feels much more lightweight uh it, at least in terms of user interaction and speed of launch and all that good stuff so yasu for os 10 mavericks it's a reality more cool stuff found, John. You know I'm a musician, right? I've mentioned that a couple times. Well, you're a drummer. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, did you see and the article? As, as a woodwind player which I would consider a, a saxophone woodwind. Yes, that, that, that was, that's correct. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> good nature ribbing. Cause some people question whether drummers are musicians. I think you are. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that uh, there's some science that shows that drummers are actually smarter than the average human and certainly smarter than the average musician. So I will, I'll put a link to that in the show notes uh, for you. And, and actually now, drummers, I, I will offer, uh, I, I will say you're welcome because when they, this article goes on to point out that when uh, you play music with a, a drummer or someone keeping rhythm, it actually makes you smarter too. So there you go. That's, that's how that works. Now, did you, do you listen to NPR at all? Sometimes. Yeah, sure. Because they had a piece today that was actually talking about um, rhythms and how it was actually very interesting. Yeah, well, I'll see if I can get a link, but it was talking about how do you get a basically how do you get a song that gets people to jump on the dance floor? And they were like, it's a combination of a simple rhythm. Sure. And a somewhat complex rhythm. But I guess the, the whole thing behind it was you need a rhythm mostly driven by the drummer that invites people to fill in the blanks, I think. And that so if you have just basic, you know, one, two, three, four, that's boring. And if it's too complex, then people get confused. But if you if you get this happy medium and, and I'm sure, you know, this is a drummer. Yeah. Well, no, it's why <laughs> funk works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how you get the people pouring on the dance floor is, is you, you got to find this. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, or, or you just have your guitar player start playing the beginning of sweet home, Alabama. I don't know what it is about that <laughs> song, but man, all that needs to happen is like the first three notes out of that guitar. And the dance floor is immediately the most crowded place in the, the entire room. But, uh, but I digress because Frank, regress, please regress. I will regress. We will retrogress soon. But hang on to your hats for that one, because I don't think any of us are ready for that. Uh, Frank writes, as a fellow musician, uh, I found this app recently that I really like called uh, Musician's Toolkit or Musician's Kit. Uh, he says, and it, uh, it does all kinds of different things. It all in one. Uh, it, it's a tuner. It's a metronome. It's a, a recorder. Does all kinds of things. Uh, it's available for free. You can get it in iTunes. And so we will put a link to that in the show notes because that's how we roll. So uh, musicians kit is what that's called. So that's in there free. Ben brings us back to, uh, to cool things that Siri does. John, he says, uh, if you're using Siri with maps uh, and it gives you directions, it will give you two tones one in the right speaker and then your left is to turn left and one in the left speaker and then in the right to turn right uh, is how that works. So it's trying to give you, you know, spatial cues that the two tones are uh, going to turn you one way or the other. You're still popping like crazy over there, John. I have to think it's coming from your end at this point because because uh, I'm not it, it's 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 coming straight through Skype. I can see it happening in Skype, but uh, I'm. I'm, I'm doing absolutely nothing i know and that yet I'm there just, were like three I'm just more of here them. listening to your dulcet tones i know I, 
I know. Maybe I have a bad connection. We'll we'll have to uh, debug we, this. We've re, we've Our, reconnected you like three times. I don't I don't think it's the connection. I don't know what it oh, is. Maybe it, it it could be an analog. Could it be an analog thing? I don't know. Oh, you Someone know, it said it totally could cable? be. I don't know. I mean, I. Yeah. I mean, I recently I admit. Uh, I don't think that. <laughs> I told you recently. You know, I just just for out of curiosity, I took my PR forty apart. I don't think I damaged oh. it. Oh no, no, that's not it. No, I've how I've far apart did you this. take it? I I took the whole thing out of the enclosure, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool, and I put it back in. No, but I did disconnect and reconnect the. the maybe my XLR cable is a shot. You know what? I, I'm going to mute you for a second while I uh, mm. while I start talking about the next thing. Go ahead and disconnect your mic cable from both ends, and then reconnect it and uh, ping me in Skype when you're when you're when you're finished with that. And then maybe, maybe, maybe that will, uh, that will do it. But that's cool about the, the, the cues that, that Siri does, right? It, you know, kind of giving you an idea. The sound came from the right, goes to the left, you're turning left. Sound came from the left, goes to the right, you're turning right. This stuff does sink in. Uh, we had a car with GPS and it gave a slightly different pitch tone when, uh, you had to turn left versus right. And I didn't realize it. Uh, for years, but you know, you, you get Pavlovian about it and, uh, and it, it's a good thing it, you know, it, it definitely kind of, kind of triggers you in the, in the right place. So we like that. It's good. It's good. All right. Uh, I haven't seen, uh, oh, there's John. All right. Well, let's, let's hope this is better now, but I'm going to talk about Jason. Uh, well, actually I'm going to talk about what Jason told us about, which is a service called plain cloud at cookingrobot.de. Uh, plain cloud allows you to access all your iCloud files inside the finder. It just makes it easy to get to all the stuff in the finder. So, um, so I will put that link out there and there you go. So plain cloud, John, it's good stuff. Really, Dave. Yeah. Am I clicking and popping and tapping? And I think I heard another pop from you. I, I wonder if it's something about your mic. Yeah, there it was again. I mean, it's 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 not sounding like a digital um, thing at first. I you know I just assumed it was because we have those kinds of little digital things, but this is very new for you. So something's not right. Yeah, but I I did this before our last episode, and there were the, the hmm. uh, who knows. Hmm. Huh. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, we also noticed that your your gain was totally cranked on your mic. Um, in your Mac. I mean, I know we've brought it down, but, uh, but something's, something's not right, but it, yeah, it sounds, sounds analog ish. I don't know. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. We will figure it out because it does audio. sound like a short. I agree. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, do Mike, I mean, <laughs> do Mike square out? Um, I mean, no, I wasn't stabbing the mic. I mean, when I, sure. when I told you, I opened it up. I was just like, oh, you know, I wonder what's going on. Actually, I was looking to see if there was any, uh, you know, kind of foreign objects here in the screen. And I was like, oh, there's not. And I put it back in. But, you know, I you know, wasn't pulling on wires or nothing. But, right, right, right. And even now, I mean, if, if anything, I mean, we're in the uh, actually, you know, the weather is kind of weird here. I mean, if anything, I would expect dry weather, you know, if wires are going to, you know, decompose and all that. But. I mean, looking in this mic, Dave, I mean, the PR40 is a pretty basic 
I mean, yeah. there's not a lot going on in there. Right, right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's it's XLR, it's wires, it's a you know element that's capturing it. That's that's really about it, right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> that, it's it could, a microphone. It could be. You know, I've installed. You know, actually, I've installed a couple of QuickTime things on this machine lately, and maybe I should pull them off. Uh, that that could be interfering. Who knows? Huh? Yeah. When was the last time that machine was rebooted? Uh, that's another thing. <laughs> How do we tell that, Dave? You should know this. Come on. Yeah, go to iStat menus and, and drop it down and look at the bottom. It'll tell you what your uptime is. That's the easiest well, way if you have that well, installed. Which, uh, 17 days? Okay. It could be a RAM f- a fighting thing, too, because Skype is susceptible to that. So make sure you reboot. I always reboot this machine day of podcast. And when I don't, I get weird stuff. So I bet maybe that's it. Maybe, it, maybe, huh? maybe that's all it is. But thank you. To our chat room. Have we mentioned our chat room, Dave? MacGeekGub.com slash stream. Um, yeah. So two things. So number one, uh, Furby's in our chat room says uptime in the terminal will tell you if you don't have iStat menus, how long you've been up. And let's see. Uptime. Yep. 17 days. So, uh, uh, also on that machine, how uh, do you have anything running in the background that doesn't need to be? Like email? Uh, let's see. The apps that I'm running right now, I am running Colloquy. I'm yep. running Terminal. I'm running Piezo. Yeah. I'm running uh, our uh, uh, Skype. Yeah. I'm running TextEdit, Safari, Preview, Finder, and Hardware Growler. And that's uh, usually what I run huh. when I'm doing the podcast. So. All right. Well, we'll just, we'll, we'll, pl- we'll plow through. Charge Key we're, we're, is, uh, is a cool thing. Have you guys seen this? It, it's at uh, hellonomad.com. It's a, it, it's a, it's a one piece rubber cable that, uh, it has USB on one end and lightning on the other. And it's actually got a little, uh, loop that you can put on your keychain or, or, or not. I, I keep it in my travel bag. It's tiny, you know, it, but it's a lightning cable if, and when you ever need a lightning cable and it works. So huge, huge thing to have. It's 29 bucks from, uh, like I said, from hellonomad.com or you can get it on Amazon as well. So that's called the charge key. And there it is. That's, uh, that's where we have it. What else do we have here, John? I'm looking at the time. Okay. Um, Scott, you know what, Scott, take it away. I think. Hey, John and Dave, Dave and John, my two favorite Mac geeks. Listen, this is Scott in D.C. I have a cool stuff found item that you may have talked about before, but I have been using the heck out of that I thought I would share. There is a product out there called Photobulk, Photobulk, B-U-L-K, that lets you bulk do stuff to, to images. What, uh, including adding, you know, certain watermarks to it. What this is good for, and what I have found it good for, is to create a standard image size and so on that is compatible with eBay. So those of you who list on eBay could drag and drop your images into Photobulk, add a little uh, watermark on the bottom of your pictures so that, you know, if somebody sees your pictures, they're not going to steal them or whatever and do your online selling that way. And also you can make sure that the the photos match eBay's new size 
requirements. Um, I have found it to be extremely, oh, it also does a bulk rename as well of, of your various images. So when your camera renames everything, image, IMG, underscore, and follows by some number, it will actually give some image names. Give you some, some the option to name your images. This has been a very cool program, and I've been using the heck out of it lately since I've gone into business for myself doing uh, collectibles and antiques. Another cool stuff found is already on your Mac, and it's called Automator. Automator, I have found that when you have items that only take up a small part of your uh, of your screen of your image can let you manipulate the image. One of the things that I found is it has two preview plugins. One is is to crop the image by a certain size, but what happens when it crops it, it tends to make the image smaller. Well, what you do with Automator is you expand the image 150% and crop it to about the size that you want. And it takes a little playing around with it. And between PhotoBulk and Automator, it has made getting those pictures together the list on eBay absolutely wonderful to deal with. So I just thought I would pass that along because, hey, that's what I do. I'm in the mood, and you guys are, are nice enough to listen to me at times, even when I do rant. Anyway, this is Scott, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Happen to be standing in a government building at the moment, but, you know, don't tell the government that. Uh, and uh, signing off, and uh, I don't know, don't get caught, I guess. Hopefully you don't get caught, Scott. We love listening to your rants. We don't always share Scott's rants on the show because they, they go on too long. That wasn't a rant. That was, uh, well, no, I mean, he has some great stuff. Scott's a, um, one of our, uh, I, I consider him among our, our top, probably top three Unix guru listeners that, uh, that we have. He's just done so much of that stuff. He, he goes into excruciating and, and in this case, it's a good yeah. thing, but yes, I, I would, um, yes. Scott impresses me with his, uh, we, we, yeah, I think he's got a couple of years on us, but, uh, he's, he's lived his life. Um, I think in the, uh, mostly in the Unix world, uh, yeah. we, we share common experiences, but yeah, no, no, it's uh, great. We, we always love, we, we uh, are, but, but yeah, sometimes it's a bit verbose for, for the podcast. So but the, uh, the show is better for, for having Scott as a listener. There, there are a lot of things that, yes. that we've imparted to you over the years, um, that, that, uh, that have come from Scott. Now, like I said, there's, there's a couple of, a couple of you that are really helpful on the Unix front. Um, MLV yeah. in, in the chat room then, today then we, is another one. Can, yeah. And we, we take it, we condense it. And, That's right. Uh, All right. You want to tell us about Michelle, John, you learned, you learned a cool stuff found this one, right? Yeah. From <laughs> this unexpected source. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, uh the, the basic question here. So from Michelle, um, who is an admitted, Random NAS question generator, NAS being network attacks attached storage. Another random NAS question regarding sensitive data stored on the Synology. Currently, I have my data on the iMac. It's using FileVault. Since no one has access to the iMac, except when their hands are on the keyboard, I feel pretty safe. But what about keeping sensitive information on the Synology? Or do you just not do it? If you do, do you lose anything in the process? Shorten file names, naming conventions, indexing, file search. 
That's the question. It's, me, a, good, the it's a good is, question. Yeah. Well, I think the answer is, wow, you know, there's there's a smart guy out there. <laughs> so I had a few solutions, but um, um, then the smart guy out there, uh, this Dave Hamilton guy, knew about something I did not. So to me, that's a cool stuff found. And this Dave Hamilton guy points out, Synology and some others um, allow you to create an encrypted shared folder into which you can put your sensitive data. And we will link to the tutorial on how to do this. Um, I think that's really the question. So, so at first, I did not think there was a way to create, um, without using third-party tools, uh, you know, some of the ones to me, encrypted disk image, file, or, or I'm sorry, a TrueCrypt, which has actually had some weird things happening in their world lately. Um, and and they're done. This, actually, that's it. That, I'm glad you brought up TrueCrypt. If you're Did using that happen because I, somebody I don't thought know. they got hacked. All of a sudden, TrueCrypt on their website on their website said our our solution is bogus and don't use it and use something. And I'm like, huh? Somebody thinks uh, I I I almost uh, I think it's an ongoing story unless you you know otherwise. But it's like, huh? I see a story from PC World four hours ago, so noon Eastern on Friday the thirtieth. That uh, that TrueCrypt is gone, um, but but, but our, again, our, like you said, this esteem, is developing. Yeah, because I believe our our. I mean, I've used it, and and it worked as far as I could tell as advertised. And I believe our our friend Pilot Pete has used a TrueCrypt on occasion. He did um, up until he got um or did yeah well okay. until File Vault Two is way better because it's built into the OS so oh, you sure, sure. you aren't gonna you know foobar it by upgrading to you know ten nine five or yeah. whatever you know yeah so right and I reviewed it a while ago and it's a it's a it's a nice cross platform solution for yeah. you know encrypted volumes but apparently yeah something weird happened where some people are still scratching their head saying is their head saying is he uh, it it just seems too weird that somebody that offers a secure multi-platform uh, storage solution all of a sudden says our solution is bogus and don't use us anymore. Bye. It's like, huh? Yeah, I know. It's a biz- I, it's a bizarre story. I agree. I agree. All right. But so back to the point here, Dave. You are uh, you have information as to a solution that we can use on the Synology. So we'll uh, link to that, and uh, people can check it out, and you can securely store your contents on your Synology. I have, I have something that I, um, that you will hear the, in fact, you, for the last hour, you have heard the results of assuming my, um, and it's not really a test cause I've tested it already, but assuming our first production run with Mac geek is successful, uh, a service called Auphonic, a U P H O N I C. Uh, I mentioned in the last show that uh, that somebody needed to to do some sound processing, and I mentioned Levelator, which is uh, an old utility but but still usable, and we use it for Mac Geekab to do some advanced kind of all in one black box audio processing. Listener Andy here from uh, from Durham, New Hampshire, wrote in uh, or called in. I don't know whatever he did. He told me about this service called Auphonic, which is. I, I'm still trying to scratch my head over how they are going to make money because I want them to stay in business. Um, they are an all-in-one service. I, I will, at the end of this show, so shortly here, I will take the AIFF file. We record to 16-bit AIFF so that it's completely uncompressed. We have raw audio. 
I record a mono file. I will upload this file to them. Now that will take a little bit of time because it's like 400 megs or something. And we'll send this file to them and then they will run it through something that is effectively does the same thing and perhaps a little bit more than level later. Uh, then it will add all of our tags, the, the image for the show, the title, the track number, you know, it'll say it's by John and I, it'll, you know, say it's Mac geek Cap, all that stuff, all the meta tags. And then it will convert two versions, one for MP3, uh, that then it FTPs up to the server that it needs to go to. And one for uh, AAC that we put in Dropbox for Michael, it will put it in Dropbox. It'll do all of this in this web service. And they have a desktop app that would do some of this, but I don't think it'll do all the automation stuff, but it'll do the conversion. Um, and the desktop app, I think, is 79 bucks if you use it non-commercially and 400 bucks if you use it commercially. But but it seems like the web service actually does more because it does all of this automation and workflow stuff. And and the cool thing is I've set up a workflow. So all I have to do is say I've got this preset. Boom, put it in, maybe change the track number because, you know, the episode number is the track number. So we'll put up type in 504 and then that's that. So I'm really stoked about this Auphonic thing. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, I, but I got to find out more about it because um, I, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what's the what's the catch? it's it's so yeah i i gotta i gotta figure it out but uh but hopefully the results of it are uh we've been using it all week for the the mac observers daily observations the new podcast that we're doing for the same reason because we finished the show jeff can pump it up to auphonic and then boom it's just there done so uh so it's been working all week i have i have all the faith in the world that it's going to work today for mac geek but i want to know that it's going to work six months from now for mac geek so i'm going to reach out to them and find out a little bit more john but it, it totally takes over. I had an automator action that I had written to do all of this crazy stuff and iTunes and FTP with transmit and all that stuff. And this basically replaces all of it. I'm, I still have the automator action because I, I want to send out email, a couple of emails when the show is live. And I'd like the automator action to just build those. But basically the action now is it tells me uh, here's the web page. It opens it up. It says, dum dum, upload the file when you've finished up, when you, when it, while it's uploading, uh, click next and then I'll create your emails for you. And and that's all my automator action does anymore. <laughs> so, um, and, and you know, MLV actually in the chat room says for a while there, I thought it was going to replace Michael Johnson's tasks. No, but you can put in chapters with images and links and it will add those too. So, the, you know, Michael might be able to use it. I don't know. Michael does it in GarageBand and has a workflow that works for him. But you could do that, especially with a simple show like our, our daily observation show. I, I've mentioned it twice. You really should listen. It's an awesome show. 20 minutes. There's 15 to 20 minutes each day. Quick reflections on what's going on in the Apple world. And you're off to go. But uh, but for that one, you know, there's two topics or something. We could do an AAC version and uh, enhance it and chapterize it. And, and very easily, Jeff would just mark it down while he's recording and he's good to go. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So I don't know. I don't know what the catch is, John. It's good. <laughs> TMO daily observations got featured in the new and noteworthy over there at, uh, at iTunes, which is exciting. I know. I like it. It's good to stop in. It's good. Have you listened? You haven't listened yet? No. Oh, I told you I, I, I listen to very few podcasts. This one's easy and short though. It's, it's bite yeah, size. That's, that's a plus. It's actually becoming my, my new favorite uh, podcast to listen to. 
because it, it just lets me catch up on, yeah. on things, you know? So anyway, uh, Verso, Verso, a, uh, is she a usual, uh, uh, uh frequent She's attendee? A, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Regular? Um, not every day. No one is a regular Jeff. It's Jeff's show. And so he pulls in ah. whoever it makes sense to pull in based on the stories that, uh, that people are interested oh, in talking okay. about. Yeah. All right. So Jeff is the, uh, the moderator. I Correct. Guess, the, uh, He's the host. Okay. You got it. Yep. All right. So, so I, so I'd imagine that means you got to show up without pants. Um, sadly, yes, that's right. Because that's how Jeff rolls. It is how Jeff rolls. But if it's audio only, it's audio it's only, really not an issue. Not, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I want to circle back to that true crypt thing, John, because, uh, and if you would read Bruce's thing, which is, which I had at the end of our agenda for today. Uh, it's not quite oh. cool stuff found, but it's sort of related uh, very tangentially to TrueCrypt. Uh, but it answers a question that we had in, in a recent show or, or something that I proposed. I said that uh, there is no way to zero out an SSD drive. And, uh, ah. and Bruce may have found a way to zero out most of an SSD drive. And so... Well, it's not zeroing, but it's, it's, it's accomplishing the same goal i probably probably again you got to deal with the the um the the uh, cells that are in the overflow cells and i'm not sure that this method does but go ahead and tell them the method before we before we debate this well i think the method is to use any form of full drive encryption and i believe bruce suggested dude use file vault or file vault two, right? File vault two, more yep. proper. That's right. Yep. Though it could include something, <laughs> maybe not anymore, if they claim it's not secure. But any full drive encryption software, effectively, unless you know the key, so that's the Achilles heel, if you will. Uh, but if you, yeah, if you have a drive that's encrypted, it's as good as zeroing it out. Not not quite as good, okay? Some security uh, uh, purists would argue, no, it's not, because if I get your key... Right, that's that. true. Yeah, but sure. To me, with, with uh, what I know about the current crypto, highly, highly, incredibly unlikely. Right, right. So, it's interesting. It, uh, I, I, it's, it's probably the best way we have, despite its uh, minor uh, imperfections. It's few imperfections, but it, it's probably the best we've got. I've had, I got it on the MacBook. I don't have it on the Mini. I, I don't know why yet, sense. but yeah. but on the MacBook Pro, I mean, the only inconvenience is that when you start the machine, you may have to enter a password. Sure, Other than that it, it's flawed. I, I don't even notice it's there, and that's how it should be. That's and that that that's exactly right. That's how it should be. You know, I, we had a, a kind of a sidebar conversation happening at MacTech uh, at the boot camp thing that I spoke at. And uh, and uh, in Boston, wherever it was, and uh, Ed and I there, Ed, who's the the editor of uh, of all of the Mac Tech magazine, you know, we're talking about it. He had done some, uh, and I can't. His last name is on the tip of my tongue. It begins with an M. Ed Markhan. Ah, oh, God, why can't I think of it? Anyway, uh, he said that he had done some testing because somebody said, well, you know, in theory, encryption 
uh, whole disk encryption uh, file vault 2 specifically is going to naturally it's got to slow down your mac at some point now if you've got a mac with a chip and all the new ones do where the chip has you know 256 bit aes uh, oh, hardware that it's symmetric encryption it's it, not gonna yeah but here's the th- and and we it, you know it's like okay yeah it's gonna be there but it's gonna be so negligible that it's that it's irrelevant and ed said that he was able to consistently reproduce results where uh, reading and writing files with whole disk encryption happened faster than a non-encrypted hmm. drive with all the same parameters. And so we talked about it a little bit. And the only thing that, that makes sense, he said it was a, it was not m- very noticeable. I mean, you would only notice it if you were doing benchmarks. But he said it was consistent 100% of the time. And so maybe there's some caching happening. Right where the 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 read up op- the write operation especially, but even the read operation, you know, it's it's going to go ahead and read a block of data and decrypt it and to present it to you, and maybe that makes it more efficient. It's an interesting thing to think about. Well, or the code's been optimized. Some portion of the code's been optimized. To, well, to it has to, right. It has to be to do the encryption and decryption. So. Yeah, so maybe it's actually uh, doing something a little better. I, like you, John, I certainly noticed no negative effects from uh, from running whole disk encryption on my uh, on my on my air, and I I would I recommend it for anybody that has a laptop, especially if you've got an SSD in it, because you're really not going to notice anything. But John, you're not even noticing it on a hybrid drive, right? Which is good. Right, because uh, yeah, to me the biggest risk factor is if you got a machine that somebody can pick up and run away with. That's the machine that ha- should have full disk. But agreed. You know, if you're in a bad neighborhood. <laughs> well, like I mean, you know, honestly, the Mac Mini. I mean, I'm I'm not too worried about somebody breaking into my house and taking all my computer stuff. Right. My strategy is because it's so old. They look at it and say, "Why would I steal that?" <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But still, I I, I feel. Yeah, something that is in my house, I, I don't feel as much of a need to encrypt it, but yeah, can't hurt. I should probably, uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that this weekend. I'm going to turn on File Vault. All right, so I, right. I will I will pause. I will think about um, one thing before you choose to enable whole disk encryption on your desktop machine. Okay. When I travel, sometimes I will log into my Mac from remote and uh and perform some operation or something uh i don't if i have to reboot that mac can i enter that password from remote to get it past that file vault thing i haven't tested it i I honestly don't know the answer to this question but if i can't then that would be reason enough for me not to enable it on a machine but it may it may well be that from remote i can I, i just haven't tested it so i don't know I throw it out there. I want to thank Michael Johnston. I know we talked about him, but I didn't get the opportunity yet to thank him, John. Michael Johnston, he converts the show to AAC for all of you. If you want to write us, th- well, wait, hang on. I'm going out of order here. If you want, but uh, as far as Michael goes, check out his site, getappler.com, G-E-T-A-P-P-L-R.com. Perfectly ripe for a Yahoo takeover because, you know, Flickr and, uh, and uh, uh, what was the other one that they bought without with the drop the vowel before the R. He's perfect. So check it out before you, and then you can say you were a member when. So check that out. Also, his uh, We Have Communicators podcast has changed its name. It is now the iOS show, which I think is a better name. It's certainly a more descriptive really? name. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm stoked about that. So uh, 
So check it out. Check out The iOS Show with Michael Johnston. And he's usually got Jeff Gamut and Adam Christensen, Christensen on with him. So check that out. John, I, I said feedback Dave, at MattGeekGab.com is the way to email us. You did, Dave, but it's getting a, over an hour here. And I'm, I'm kind of concerned about, you, you know, you're, if you're keeping it together here. So I'm going to remind you that it's feedback at MattGeekGab.com. That it is, or premium at MattGeekGab.com. Uh, as we explained in the last show, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll spare you the, the full premium description. Short of saying thank you very much for all of you that, uh, uh, all of you that contribute and, uh, and welcome to all the new premium subscribers that we have in the last week, too. So thank you so much. Your, your support of us and of our sponsors and all that, it's, it's humbling and, and inspiring. And so we keep doing what we do for you. 206-666-GEEK is the address to, uh, or is the phone number to send things, uh, to call and leave messages. What's going on with me, John? I can't even talk anymore. What's geek? I'm, I'm telling you, man. You, you thought I'd lose it. I think you're losing it. But <laughs> geek is, at least in this country and in this symbology, is for Three, three, five. It is. It is. And you can type that in on your iPhone and it'll work. If you, you know what else people got to do, Dave? What's that? And this helps all of us. So, so we've built a wonderful community here. And seriously, I, I, I could have never envisioned this. You share with us. We share with you. But how do you let other people know about this? Well, probably one of the major venues that people find out about podcasts in general is iTunes. And how can you let people know about your favorite podcasts? Because you're our favorite listeners. And if we're your favorite podcast, or even if not, but we would certainly hope so. If you're listening, leave us an iTunes comment. It certainly helps. It gives the podcast exposure and it lets people know and it helps us, uh, you know, we got something constructive uh, to improve our game. But I think we've refined this uh, pretty well over nearly. We will decade. keep refining it. We are. We I come in with beginner's mind every time. That's how we do it. Really? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com is uh, is the place that provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And then, of course, there's our podcast marketplace, which includes Barebones Software at Barebones.com. Smile Software at Smile.com. Sorry, Smile at SmileSoftware.com. Gazelle at Gazelle.com to sell your stuff back. Squarespace.com slash MGG with coupon code MGG. Rage Software with coupon code MGG, as we mentioned. I fix it with coupon code MGG. Have a splendid week. I don't think we're going to run a podcast while I'm at WWDC, but uh, you never know what's going to happen with uh, with us here, John. So we will podcast certainly when I'm back a week from uh, Sunday. But until then, John, share some advice with me, with them, with all of us. Well, I just looked in the chat room and I, I see this one guy and uh, Pilot Pete failed because he got caught.